Go to 1 Corinthians, please, the 15th chapter. We begin, I believe it was last week, on a new series. And so uh, we have already covered some ground, and you can get that if you're visiting with us today. Go online, download it. It'd be available here, too, in the house as well, in the Word Supply. But uh, we'll review just a little bit and then go further. Our 15th chapter and 57th verse is our text. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It said, But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You like that? Everybody said out loud. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. Now, this is a familiar verse to many, and a lot of people have quoted it in connection with victory over sickness and pain, victory over financial lack, victory over oppression and problems. Uh, and I, I believe that's all true. But he's, he was talking about a specific thing in this 15th chapter that, we, that the Lord has given us victory over. This is verse what? 57? That means there's 56 verses leading up <laughs> to this powerful summary statement. Now last week we took the time and read most of them. And just took the time in that chapter. And, and let me encourage you to, to do this and catch up with us on this. But uh, if you back up just to the uh, 54th verse. In, in just a couple of verses you'll see what he was talking about. In verse 54. Uh, well, let's, let's back up a little bit further. Verse uh, 51. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now sleep, he's referring to dying physically. Calls it sleep. And uh, not everybody is going to die physically. There will be some alive when the Lord comes. Right? But everybody will be changed. Whether you've died physically previously or not, you've got to be changed. Because uh, this body can't handle what's coming next <laughs> in its current condition. Mortal can't inherit immortal, and corruption can't inherit incorruption, he was saying. It's got to be changed. And so uh, verse 52, in a moment it's going to happen. In the twinkling of an eye, blink your eye. That's how quick. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. How many know just as sure as you're sitting here, and even more so, the trumpet's going to sound? It's coming. You're going to hear that trumpet. Mrs., what if I've died? You're still going to hear it. Everybody going to hear this one, right? The dead are going to hear it. Those alive and remaining are going to hear it. That trumpet's going to sound. And verse 53, 
This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54. And when that happens, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. When he says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, victory over what? What's he talking about? He's talking about victory over death. This is shouting ground, friends. Victory over death. Glory to God. Verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Can you see Paul has gotten stirred up? He's done preached from verse 1 all the way here to verse 55 and prior to that, you know. And, and now he, he, he's getting sassy with death. He said, death, where's your sting? Where's your bite? I don't feel it. Grave, where's your victory? You don't have any victory. You know who's got the victory? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory (laughs) over you. Death, death, you have no victory. We have victory. I have victory over you. Death. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Most Christians, most Christians don't have a lot of mind renewal concerning these areas. I'm excited because of the direction the Lord's taken us on this because I can just, I can see it. I can sense it happening. We're getting free. This will affect every part of our lives. Even Christians, even good people of God that know they're saved, that believe in heaven, and believe in life after death, they will cling to this little flesh life. They will pay every penny and they will endure every suffering and hardship and even compromise sometimes their values and even sacrifice things that they desire and want to do just to cling to and have another day or two or a month or two in this body. That's ridiculous. I said that's ridiculous. And then when people die. People talk about dying like it's the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you. People go, I don't know, they may die. (laughs) No, let me help you out. (laughs) (laughs) If the Lord tears is coming, yes, just that much longer. Oh, they're dying. Them and their dog and their cat and their parrot and their goldfish and their flowers and, and, and everything and everybody around them. The Bible calls dying like this the way of all the earth. It's the way of all the earth. How many people uh, from the 1300s still alive today? How many? 1400s? How many? 1500s? 1600s? How many alive today? How many? Not a one. Not a one. And if the Lord tears is coming just a little while, you know, another 100 years, another 150 years, 200 years, how many of us will be around here? Not a one. 
Not a one. The Lord tears is coming. <laughs> All of us are going. We're told from those that have done uh, uh, populations to the, the actually this is the 2010 world population data study that there were approximately at that time uh, almost seven billion people on this planet. Seven billion. So with that many people on the planet, do you know people are dying? <laughs> Babies are being born and people are leaving. If you could get outside the, the earth, outside its atmosphere a, a little ways and just see in the spirit, you would see arrivals, babies being born, coming into the earth, and you would see departures, people leaving here. We're told that it averages out to be about two people dying every second. Two more. Two more just went. Two more just left. Somewhere on the planet. Two more just left. In the next minute, over a hundred will go. Before I'm finished speaking... About 6,500 will have died. By the end of this day, if you started counting from the morning, by the end of this day, about 156,000 people will have died. (laughs) By the end of the year, from beginning to end, almost 57 million, almost 57 million people will have died on the planet in one year's time. Two more. (laughs) Two more. Two more. And soon and very soon, me and you. Two more. (laughs) Now people hear that and they think, "Mm, can't we talk about something else, Brother Keith? (laughs) There's all kind of Christians. They don't... you can hardly get them to go to a hospital. You can hardly get them to go to a funeral home or a funeral or anything that reminds them of death. It just bothers them. They don't like to think about it. They don't like to be around it. Why? Because you're in bondage. You can't be free until you have no fear. And until you're not afraid to die, you're not free to live. You're not ready to live. That fear in that dread will warp your life. All the phobias that people have is absolute bondage. I've ministered to people for for years now. I've had people, I I ministered in in the healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for years. And man, we saw people with all kind of phobias. I, I had people come in, they had masks on and gloves on, and they said they were allergic to the air. And they had a fear of breathing and, and allergic to people. Well, there's a problem, in it? Fear of being around people. Their phobias, the, the list of phobias is from here out to the road. I mean, you know, fear of heights, fear of depths, fear of close places, fear of wide open places, fears of, all, fears of spiders, fears of frogs, fears of cats. Fears of dogs. I mean, fears go, fear of flying, fear of driving, you know, fear of falling, fear of walking. 
<laughs> Have you ever looked at them? I mean, and, and, and you laugh, but there are people who can't, in, in their mind, they can't leave the house. They are in jail in their own life. Why? And it's not just a fear of spiders. Every one of these fears is actually the fear of dying. It's the fear of dying. And Hebrews said that fear of dying makes you subject to bondage your entire life. Keeps you imprisoned. You're not just afraid of spiders. You're afraid of getting bit by a spider and getting sick or dying. You're, you're not just afraid of flying. You're afraid of poof, crashing and dying. And if you're not afraid of dying, then you're not afraid of flying. That's not everybody. People <laughs> say, well, okay, but you know, I, I just don't like it. It bothers me. Why does it bother you? Because you're afraid to die. Be honest. Oh, but good news, good news, good news. You've been given the victory over death, and you don't have to be afraid to die. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Go with me to Psalm 90 and uh, verse 12. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Uh, Another translation, the, the New Century version says, Teach us how short our lives really are, so that we may be wise. The New Living says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Wisdom has to do with seeing into the future, seeing beyond where I am and where I'm going. Wisdom has to do with seeing cause and effect, action and result. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Your life and my life is just like Today, it's made up of multiple of these, todays. Today is half over, isn't it? If you're going to do something today, you better have a plan, shouldn't you? And you better make some priorities because this day's clicking by. How many realize, I mean, Monday morning, you got a job, you got things to do. How many know when you get up and you get going, you, you have to have some kind of concept of, of what I'm going to do and what's priority and how to get it done. Why? Because this day's going to soon be gone. And if I don't make it a priority and I don't get on it, I don't have unlimited time to get something done today. Well, our entire life is this way. And just like we count the hours And we realize, well, I'm going to do this, but then by that time it'll be four hours, and by that time I'll have to do this. You need to see your whole life that way. You need to have kind of a running concept of, okay, um, I'm X amount of years old now, so uh, I'm, I'm, you know, even with a long full life, I'm about this far along. And I need to be on what God has me to do in this earth because I am soon and very soon going to be out of here. Numbering our days. Back up to the uh, fourth verse. 
The fourth verse says, gives us some insight into God's perception of time. For a thousand years in your sight, the Lord's sight, are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. The NIV says, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. The complete Jewish Bible says, from your viewpoint, a thousand years are merely like yesterday. The NCV says, are like a few hours in the night. His perspective is accurate. Ours is the one that is skewed. We are slow. Where the curse and death is in the earth. The planet itself is groaning and slowing and dying. Your bodies, everything around you. And, and so time is just creeping. We think it's going fast, but no. Think about this. To the Lord, a whole thousand years was like a day. He doesn't perceive like we do. Well, if you lived a hundred years, that'd be a tenth of a thousand years, which is like a day to him. Well, a tenth of our day, what we perceive as a day, is uh, 2.4 hours. So our hundred year span is like a couple of hours to him. And we need this perspective. If you're over 50, you got about an hour left. <laughs> and that's not, that's not imaginary. That's reality. That's how it really is. Our people, our, our loved ones and friends that have already gone home, home to be with the Lord, they're with Him. They're perceiving time as He does. And I'm convinced if we lived another 50 years, lived another 75 years, lived another 100 years, and then we go to be with them, to them, it'll be like an hour or two. They'll look up and go, you're already here. <laughs> we go, well, yeah, it was a century. <laughs> but this also helps you. When you realize we're told not to sorrow like those who have no hope. And, and you see Christians who don't think right about death. And they got loved ones. Uh, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, spouse, whoever it is. Sure, you, you'll miss them. you feel it in your soul. You, you might shed a few tears missing them. But you should not grieve and sorrow and be incapacitated because come on now if you live another 75 years you can't wait 45 minutes till you see them again huh you can't wait another hour till you see them again they're not just in your past they're in your future oh people get so morbid and so depressed well I, I just wanted to have one more meal with mama and I just and I who said you won't get to have another meal with mama I just wanted to play ball with Bubba one more time I just always wanted to that's, that's acting like there's no future it's acting like death is the end 
like you have no hope. Come on, Christians, we know better than this. Right? We know better than this. So many things that you wanted to do with them are just goofy stuff. And when you get to heaven, you won't care about it. But some of the things you will want to do, and you will yet get to do it with them. With them. That's not fantasy or fairy tale. That's your future. That's reality. Somebody say, I believe it. And of course, if you do, then you don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Do you? No, you don't. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 and verse 4. Most of you know this. What does it say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? What? I will what? I won't fear. I won't fear any evil, any bad thing. Why? Because you're with me. Scripture said he will... He'll be our guide unto death, and afterward he'll receive us to glory. Didn't he say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. What about when you die? He'll be right there. I said, he'll be right there. Right there with you. His presence will comfort you. You ever hear people, uh, you know, uh, I've kind of made it a study over the years. I've heard scores and scores of people's uh, experiences of having died and and having come back. One thing that impresses me is the similarity of them. You know, uh, I don't care if they were born in Australia or Africa or Europe somewhere or or Canada or South America or if they're 13 or if they're 95 or uh, some of the same thing. Your people say, I saw this light. (laughs) I was above my body. Looking down. And then I saw this light. And, and I, I don't know why it took me so long, but I keep hearing about, they kept talking about the light, the light. And then it dawned on me God yeah. is light. Yeah. Right? He's, God is light. Yeah. Saw this bright light, and I just wanted to go to the light. And the light was so wonderful. It, just, it was just pure love. Well, yeah. God is love. God is light. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I are about that far away from it. Does it scare you? Does it bother you? It should not. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, if you are in the shadow of something, you know, if you're in my shadow, you're close to me. Right? You can't be very far. And if you're in death's shadow, (laughs) you're about to die. (laughs) Right? You, You are right there at death's door. Come on, friend, is it possible that you are at death's door, you know you are drawing your last breath, you know you're dying, and yet you have no fear? Is that possible? That you have absolutely zero fear? Friend, this is the heart of what we believe. The punchline, the, the exclamation point of the gospel is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Victory over death. Isn't it? And so you and I should have no fear. Absolutely no fear. 
Go to Hebrews, please, the second chapter. I'm glad I came this morning. I ought to preach this to myself. <laughs> Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 and verse 9. Now this is very, very significant in our study. Make sure you, you note this, you mark this in your mind and your heart, this phrase here. It says, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for what purpose? Or you could say, so that he could die. So that he could die. Crowned with glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, should what? Taste. Experience. This is not, uh, what's the word? Um, Not sympathy. Not empathy. He experienced, tasted death for who? Every man. Said out loud, he tasted death for every man. The Bible said that that happened by the grace of God. Other translations bring out that he experienced death for every individual. Why did he do that? What does that mean to us? He didn't need to die for himself. What does it mean that he tasted death for you and me? Oh, you're going to shout about it in just a few minutes. But don't forget it. Hold on to that. Say it out out loud loud another time. He tasted death death for every one of us. us. Jesus experienced death death for me. me. Now skip on down to the 14th verse. Verse 14, for as much then as the children, that's me and you, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him. (laughs) Don't that make you happy? (laughs) Destroy him. (laughs) This is like the devil's least favorite verse. (laughs) He really don't like this one. That he might destroy him that had, 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 not has. What does had mean? Used to. Did at one time. Not anymore. Had the power of death, that is the devil. Oh, the devil hates this verse. Oh. Oh, he can't stand this. Because this is the devil's greatest claim to fame throughout his existence. That he was the Lord of death. Had the power of death. Lord death. But he ain't even that anymore. He's been stripped. He's been brought to naught. He's been put under our feet. And do you know who has the keys of death and hell and the grave? It ain't the devil. (laughs) And that was worth combing your hair and coming to church this morning. Right there. Right there. 
Look at the immediate effect that has on us. Next verse. Next verse. And the result of that is what? Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What does the fear of death do to you? It keeps you in slavery your entire life. Oh, you'll tiptoe around this. You won't try that. You won't go there. You won't do this. You'll stay away from that. and You'll avoid this. Why? Well, you might have a wreck or you might get sick or, or you might fall or, or you might this or you might that and, and die. Oh, no. <laughs> die. I think they're going to die. <laughs> no, they are going to die. <laughs> oh, but what if I die? What if I die? Oh, God, I may die. There, go, go to 1 John, 4th chapter. This is much more pervasive than what you might imagine. Don't, don't imagine that most of the body of Christ is living in this deliverance from the fear of death. So many are living in the fear of death. They're not walking in this freedom. What will the truth do for you? You know it. You experience and walk in it. It'll make you free. First John 4. You can, this is the acid test of what kind of light you have in it. No need in you thinking about somebody else. Let's, uh, let's turn the spotlight on you. And me. Right now. Let's see where we are in this. 1 John 4. And 18. Let me read this from the Weymouth's translation. Love has in it no element of fear. But perfect love or fully developed love drives away fear. Because fear involves pain. Weymouth says. Did you hear that? Fear involves pain. The King James says torment. Other translations say torture. Well, that would be pain, wouldn't it? If you're in torment, you're not in comfort, you're not in ease, you're in pain. If you're being tortured, you're in pain. If something's torturing you, you're in bondage. Did you hear me, friends? If something's been tormenting you, Now, I love faith people. I love word people. It's my bunch. But we've had some issues in this area. And that is, you know, somebody didn't get their healing. Somebody died young. Somebody left in less than perfect circumstances. And people carry the torment with them. We lost them. They died young. And it grieves them and it vexes them and it tortures them. Maybe we could have stood better. Maybe we could have prayed harder. Maybe we could have, maybe we could have, something's torturing you. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. And acting like, 
Well, they died acting like that's the worst thing that could ever happen to them. Well, in another 30 minutes, you're going to be gone too. (laughs) So they left eight and a half minutes early. Do you really think 10,000 years from now, that's going to be that big of a deal to us? We're still going to be talking about somebody left eight minutes early. Yeah, we stand, we fight, we do what we know to do. We know it's the will of God for us to be healed. We know it's the will of God for us to be delivered. But if you see some people go early or you see this or that happen, don't let it torture you. Shout that they're with him. And rejoice that you will be too in just a little while. And this stuff of being tortured and vexed because of the fear. See, uh, there is a reverence for death that has been taught wrongly, contrary to scriptures, in churches. I know we were taught as little boys. You go to the funeral home. Shh, you boys be quiet. And, and you know, when you're a little kid, you're trying to figure all this out because people are standing around talking in hushed tones. How you doing? What, what are we whispering about? <laughs> the person is not even here. <laughs> right? They, they're not even here. <laughs> well, it, it's out of respect for the family. Well, okay, you know, you, wanna, you, you don't want to hinder them. But at the same time, reverence for death is an evil thing. It is Fear of death. What's really going on is people are are hushed tones because they reverence death. There's death around here. We need to show respect for the dead. Do we? What what do you mean? You're talking about showing you're not talking about showing respect for the dead. You're talking about respecting death reverencing death and it ought not be I mean believers who know their loved ones are with the Lord can stand by the graveside and say what Paul said death where is your sting I don't feel you I don't, I don't even feel your bite death grave where's your victory you ain't got no victory The English dictionary says death is the end. The end of life. Termination. The cessation of all activity and function. The end. You have to study in the scriptures to see what death is. There's more to it than at first listen. The Bible talks about physical death. It talks about spiritual death. It talks about the second death. And you have to look at the context to see what he's talking about. But physical death is not the end of anything. The Bible refers, Jesus referred to physical death as sleep. Didn't he? He said, Lazarus is sleeping. And I'm going to go wake him up. (laughs) Didn't he say it? 
And you know, when Jairus' daughter had died, what did he say? He came in the house, and they're groaning, and they're wailing. And he said, what you crying like this for? She's, she's just asleep. She's not dead. She's asleep. And then they laughed him to scorn, knowing she was dead. No, this is not soul sleep. This is body sleep. So, this, what is physical death? The spirit departs from the body, leaves here, goes there. Absent from the body, but present with the Lord. I changed the way I talk about this some years ago. I never refer to the death of any of my friends or loved ones as loss. Because actually fear of death is fear of loss. That's what it is. And I don't refer to my friends and loved ones that have gone in the past tense. Because they're not were. They're not used to be. They are. They are. They're not used to be. They are. They're just not here. They're there. I mean if your relative moved from Missouri to Arkansas. You wouldn't moan and go. Oh we lost them. (laughs) Oh we lost them. They're in Arkansas. (laughs) We lost them. No. They just. They're just in Arkansas. How many believe heaven is as real as Arkansas? Is it? It is. And our people are there. And they're occupied. And they're ecstatic. And they're free. I said they're free. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more grief. No more curse. No more disease. No more devils. No more crazy people. None of that. Totally, completely free. And you and I are finishing up our tour of duty right now. Like I said, we probably, most of us got about an hour or less left. We can finish our job and we'll be out of here too. Unless the trumpet sounds before and that's good too. We just leave early. Somebody say, thanks be to God God. who gives us the victory victory. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Victory over death. Victory over death. death. Glory to God. Go with me to Romans, please. The sixth chapter. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Jesus tasted death for every one of us. What does that mean to us? Look in uh, Romans 6 and about verse 3. Now, if you, uh, it would be a very good study to read carefully chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Romans at one time and look for what we're talking about this morning. Look for resurrection and victory over death in these chapters. You know when you read something looking for a specific thing, you see things you hadn't seen before. And this is full of this. But for time's sake, we'll just read this part. He said in verse 3, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized what? Into his death. 
You know, so much of what we've done, we haven't realized how significant it was. You're baptized in water, and you go under the water. What does that mean? It means I died with him. Colossians 3 says, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Actually, other translations say, you did die. You did die. Not you're dead, because we're not dead. But you did die in him. Keep reading, verse 4. Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Keep going, let's read a few verses here. If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Keep going. For he that is what? Dead is free. Free from sin. Free from the law of sin and death. Free from the wages of sin, which is death. If you're dead, you can't die. You already done did die. So now you can't anymore. And you done died. You did. In him. Keep going. If we be dead with Christ, are you or not? Yes. Are you or not? Yes. Say it out loud, I am dead. I am dead. With, Christ. with Christ. I did die. I did die. With, him. with him. Then if you did, we believe that we should also live with him. He died, but is he dead? No. Oh, no. He's raised from the dead. Verse 9. Here's shouting ground. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, what? He can't die anymore. Death has no more dominion over him. How does that affect us? He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it. He didn't die for himself. He wasn't raised for himself. His death was our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. We are in Him. So death no longer has dominion over us. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians. Turn over just a page or two. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Death has no dominion. No dominion over Him, and I'm in Him. No dominion over me, no dominion over my house, no dominion over our, over our kids, no dominion over our stuff. Death has no dominion over me. So why should I be afraid of it? 2 Corinthians 5, 14. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. What you said out loud, I already died died. in him. him. 
You know why you don't have to be afraid to die? Because you already done did. <laughs> already died. If he died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live, henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Keep reading. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Keep reading. If any man be in Christ, he's what? He's been born again. He's a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Death has no more dominion over him. Go to Hebrews uh, the second chapter. And then also we'll go to John the eighth chapter. Hebrews 2 and 9. We've already. Well you, you don't necessarily have to turn there. You read this just a moment ago. You go to John 8. We'll just read it off the screen. Jesus did what? The last part of this verse. He tasted death. For every man. He tasted death for you. Now he took your sins. So that you could be in sin. No. no. He took your infirmities. So you could be sick. No. He bore the chastisement of your peace. So you could be oppressed. No. no. He became poor. So you could be poor. No. no. He died. So you could die. He died. So you could die. No, the same thing. He died. He tasted death so you wouldn't have to. And if you have faith in him, then it's counted that you died in him when he did. Are you ready to shout some more? John 8. The Pharisees, the leaders of the Jews, got so mad at Jesus about the thing we're about to read... That just two verses later, they're trying to kill him. They're trying to stone him. What would make people so mad? Anytime you see people that enraged, you know the devil's behind it. What would make the devil so mad? That he couldn't stand to hear another word of it. And he tries to kill people just to shut them up. What? What would make him that mad? Resurrection. (laughs) Because he used to be the Lord of death. (laughs) Right? Oh, he can't stand resurrection. <laughs> and Jesus said in John 8, John 8 and 51, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, if a man keep my saying, he what? He what? He shall never see death. Is that true? It is. You'll never, he said, he'll never see death. Oh man, that made him some verse 52. They said, now we know you have a devil. Abraham's dead. Prophets are dead. Everybody's dead. And you say, if a man keep my sin, he shall never taste of death. How could that possibly be true? Because he tasted 
death for me. I don't have to taste death. You know why I don't have to be afraid to die? Because I never will. People looking at me funny like, uh. I'm quoting ma- the master. Come on, I didn't write this. Is this true or not true? Whether you understand it or whether you don't, do you believe what the master said? He said you'll never die. So won't you just go ahead and believe it and receive it and say, I'll never die. I'll never die. I will never die. Hey, I will never die. Go to the 11th chapter of John. Gets even stronger. John 11, Lazarus has died. (laughs) Body's in the tomb. In in light of what we're saying, was Lazarus actually dead? No. No. His body was asleep. He was out of there. Hanging out with Abraham. Right? And Jesus said, I'm going to go wake him up. And they said, well, Lord, it's good if he's sleeping. He'll, he'll feel better when he's dead. He said, no, he's dead. He had to say it like that. It would help us if we would use that word all the time. What about so-and-so? Well, their body's sleeping. It'd help keep, us, keep our thinking right, wouldn't it? We didn't lose them. They're not gone forever. They're not, their, their existence has not ceased. It's not termination. It's transition. They just left here. Now they're there. They're not here. But they still exist. And so. Martha came to him. Well verse 23 rather. Jesus said this is John eleven twenty-three. 23. Jesus uh, told Martha. He said your brother. Will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? Come on, I want to see a show of hands. Say, I believe in him. Then this verse applies directly to you. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26. And whosoever lives. That's you. Because you believe in him. Though you were dead, yet shall you live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. She'll never die. She'll never die. Somebody say, she'll never die. die. Brother Keith, are you saying that you're going to live physically on the earth for century after century? No, no, no. We've already talked about that. Even if the Lord tears is coming, and I run my race and I finish my course, even if I leave my body, I won't die. And when I'm leaving my body, I won't even taste of any death. 
Even though I leave my body, I will not experience any dying. Why? I died with him. He tasted death for me. He died in my place. So I won't die. I won't die. You remember Stephen? When they stoned him, you remember that? And the Bible said he called on the Lord and said, don't lay this sin to their charge. And then he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he said he fell asleep. He what? Does that sound like some awful, terrible termination? No. I don't think he hardly knew he died. (laughs) I'm sure he felt some of those first rocks. But... uh, But after that, he, he's out of there going, boy, they're pummeling that guy. <laughs> oh, that's me. But it's not me. I'm here. Oh, friend, listen to me. We ought not think it's some strange, terrible, awful thing that somebody died. You know what's awful? Living or dying without Jesus. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. But for the child of God who knows him, who loves him, who's born again, name written in the Lamb's book of life, to die, you ought to have absolutely no fear of dying. You ought to be looking forward to finishing your tour of duty and getting out of here. Somebody comes up, puts a 45 in your forehead, go, I'm going to blow your head off. You go, Wow, I get to see Jesus today, today, I thought it would be a little while, and on your way out, you will not taste one bit of death, you will never die, you will not experience one thing, I mean if your heart stopped right now, of course that was two more people died, right? Two more. Somewhere on the planet. Two more. If your heart stops, your body falls over, you step out. Almost every account, the person says they're above their body, looking down on it. And a lot of times, it takes them a minute to even realize whose body it is. And I've heard person after person say, they, even though it was their body, it's like they didn't care. It's like, so what? <laughs> you know, they really did, they, they had no connection to it anymore. It's like they're done with it, through with it. You step out of your body, and I'm telling you, it'll be like somebody just took the wraps off your head. Your vision, you're going to see like you've never seen before. You're going to hear and sense like you've never heard before. You're going to go, Woo, I feel good. <laughs> Oh, man, I feel like I could run 100 miles an hour. I feel like I could stay up for 90 years straight. And your angel will be there, and he'll go, hey. You go, whoa, hi. He says, you ready? Yeah, man. He says, there's some neat stuff over in the Milky Way. You want me to show you? Go, man, show me everything. Show me. And you're out of here. If that's true, if that's real, why should we grieve and mourn? Like we've lost them forever. Like it's the end. Like we'll never see them again. That's like unbelievers act and think. And why should we cling to this little flesh life? 
Like it's the only thing in like in desperation. What if they die? What if they die? Are they saved? Then whoop-de-doo. Do the best you know. But if somebody goes early, don't be tortured. Don't be in torment about it. In a few more minutes, you'll be with them. Do you believe it, friends? Thanks be unto God. Stand up and say it out loud. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory over death through my Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.